All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we adore you and we exalt you. You are marvelous and miraculous and kind and gentle. You are sovereign and all-powerful and all-thoughtful. We don't even have enough words in the language for you except to say you're the mighty, majestic one. You're the one and the only one to whom we bow our knee and bow our lives. You are the altogether trustworthy, faithful one, the promise keeper. You are the one who birthed a son called Jesus, sent him into the earth so that we could become your children and see your heart and know you. And we come tonight saying, we just want to know what's on your heart. Like all fathers, you have heart's desires for your children. So whatever your heart's desires are tonight, that's what we want. And yet sometimes we're not the greatest at receiving. So Holy Spirit, if you would pretty please anoint us. Give us the power tonight to hear what God has for our heart and to receive it. Put us... Please, inside the name of Jesus. Put us inside Jesus. And let his presence be more palpable than we've ever known it. And let his truth explode in us in ways we have never known. And we promise we'll give you all the glory. And it's in the name of Jesus we stand and pray. Amen. Tonight we're going to talk about the name of Jesus. There's a passage in John chapter 14, verses 13 and 14, where Jesus says, Whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will do. And then he says, whatever you ask me in my name, I will do. And yet often, I'll have people say to me, Susan, I prayed, and I prayed in the name of Jesus, but nothing really happened. So what's going on in the verse? Is Jesus exaggerating? Or is there something perhaps about his name? and what it means to pray in his name that we have not yet comprehended. Tonight we're talking about the name of Jesus and rediscovering it. And so for a few moments we're going to go back and recapture some of the Jewish roots. But I do have a favor to ask. When I'm talking about individual Jewish letters, please do not try to Remember the Hebrew letters. If that confuses you, just don't even go there. But catch the revelation of the letters. It doesn't matter if you remember, well, this letter is hey and this one is yod. That's 1,000% irrelevant. But if you remember the revelation, that's what's important. And it has really stirred me lately that 
every meeting I'm in and so many people I'm talking to, they're praying for revival in the city and oneness in the churches and revival in our hearts. And so it just seemed in prayer, Jesus kept saying, now is a very good time to go back and talk about what I really meant when I said, here's my name. Pray in my name. In Acts chapter 3, you know this story. Peter and John come across a lame man. And Peter says, silver and gold, I don't have. But what I have, I will give to you. Here is the name of Jesus. In that name, rise and walk. By the time we get to chapter 4, the rulers are angry and they're upset. Because to them, it means something that in our Western culture we would not catch. You see, they're Jewish. And they understand the revelation of the name. And they know that no one's ever said in the name of Moses and in the name of David and in the name of Abraham and something happened after they were dead. And so they're frightened. And they come together and they say, lease this spread further. We must command the disciples, do not speak and do not teach in the name of Jesus. Now, if you understand the Greek, they said, hey, you can speak, you can keep on teaching, but don't use the name. Because in Jewish culture, if you used the name and something happened, that only was true if the person was alive. So do the rulers. It's like we crucified him. But he's back. Multiplied over. Something in the spirit of that man we crucified. He's back in the earth. He, these ordinary men, uneducated men, they're just saying, I give you the name. And then the same thing that happened when Jesus walked the earth is happening. And to the Jewish mind, the battle was, he's not dead. Number two, maybe he is the son of God. Because they had never seen anyone use the name. And the same thing happened now. It's when that person was standing in front of him. He's back. That's what scared him. He's back. So what did they understand about the name that made them so afraid and that they really didn't care if they prayed and spoke and taught, but don't use the name? In Thai culture, it's a good analogy most Thai do not know each other's real names. They're all given a nickname at birth. And the only ones you tell your real name to is a government official or to your closest friend. But everybody knows everyone's nickname. And if you know the real name of someone, that's quite an honor. 
And so to the Jewish rulers, this was baffling. These uneducated men are using the name and something's happening. I want to do a quick review so that you can kind of get into the mind and the spirit of the Jewish rulers and get into the mindset of the disciples. Have you ever heard of anyone in our generation who moved so fully in the name of Jesus that people said, don't use that name? If you've ever done deliverance, you've heard demons say it. But have you ever heard people and government rulers say it? No. So it's time for us to rediscover our roots. What was the gift of the name really about? You do not need to know the Hebrew letters. These are the Hebrew letters of the name that God gave Moses. Now, God has many names in the Old Testament, but this is the only time when God said, this is my name. We don't know if the Spirit of God revealed all the other names like Adonai and El Shaddai to the people, or if they were using those names to describe who God was to them, but they're all names of God, all names of God. But on this occasion, it was totally different. God has come to Moses and said, I've seen my people in bondage and suffering, and it's moved my heart, and I want to deliver them. And Moses is being very authentic. He said, well, what's your name? Who do I tell them is sending me? And most of us have heard the name is Yahweh. Well, these are the letters. And if you say them, Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, to the Jewish person, it sounds like you're breathing. Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey. And it represented the breath of life, the life giver, just the sound. And the first letter that looks like this is Yod. And it was the hand. And the Jewish people said, God is the hand behind all things. He creates all things, molds all things, makes all things, moves all things, provides all things. Behold. This next letter is hey. And when it was a picture language, it was a man with his arms up in the air. Behold. And it's behold. God is the hand that creates and moves. The next one, Vav, is a tent peg or a nail. And the Jews understood God is the tent peg. He stakes things down. He holds things together. He holds together the shelter and the fortress and the defense about us. He's our shelter in the storm. He's the tent peg. He's the stability. He's the consistent one. And then it's hey again. Behold. And these are the letters that God gave Moses. And for a long time, that's the way they were understood, and that's the way Jews still understand them. But the Jewish people will not speak this name. Because to them, this 
is the name that came from the mouth of a holy God. And my human lips cannot say it. To know his personal name, oh, holy. But God is the prophet of all prophets. These are the exact same letters. But listen to the prophecy in God's name. The hand, behold, the nail, behold. Do you see him prophesying his son? The Jews had a veil. They didn't see it. The disciples did. They went, what? Yahweh was prophesying about the crucifixion? Behold the hand. Behold the nail. He was saying, this is already in my heart from the foundations of the earth. You will behold the hand and the nail. This is Yahweh. Behold the hand and heel. The middle is the Jewish letters for save. When you put Yahweh saves, it gives you the letters for the original way. Jesus or Yeshua was spelled. Now, do you see the letters right over here? Let me tell you what they mean. It's the Yod that is in Yahweh, isn't it? It's the hay with a top on it. It's in Yahweh. It's the nail that's in Yahweh. It was the father saying, son, here's my name. And when I add the word saves, it will be your name. Yahweh saves became Yeshua, became Jesus' name. And if you knew the meanings, look at this again. The hand, behold, the nail. Now this letter is sheen. It looks like a crown, doesn't it? Do you know it's the only Hebrew letter that is used to stand for God? Just one letter, and you know it's God. Sheen has many meanings, but it means illuminates. It's the light. This letter, it looks like a funny-looking Y with a short tail, is called ion, and it means your eye. also means what was seen in the primordial light before the foundations of the earth. Now that may sound a little cerebral, but it's not. Because listen, from a Jewish standpoint, behold the hand and the nail and the light that Jesus brought and the iron he was seen before the foundations of the earth. 
The name Yeshua was soon shortened to this. But everyone knew his name came from Yahweh. The holy name that would not be spoken. The hand. The light. The insight. The enlightenment. The revelation of the nail. That you could see with your eye that had been planned before the foundations of the earth. To the Jews, Jesus' name was like a menorah. They see in pictures, and it meant there were seven lights on his name for the sevenfold spirit, the sevenfold power of the spirit, the perfection of God. You see, when the Father took his name, Yahweh, added saves to it, and then gave his son the name Yeshua, This is what he was saying, Colossians 1. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things are held together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he has supremacy. For in him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Hebrews chapter 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sins, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the majestic one, having become as much superior to the angels as the name he inherited. So to a Jew, they're thinking, what? Yahweh gave his name to Jesus? Who is he? And in his name are all these meanings. And we just saw his hand and his nail on the cross. And now it's iron. He was here before the foundations of the earth. And so the Jewish mind would have been in awe. Oh, my goodness. Who is he? Who is he?
And the Jews knew the name Yahweh made them a people. That it was Yahweh who brought them out of bondage, gave them identity, made them a nation. And now, John 1, 12, whoever believes in the name of Jesus will be given the right to be a child of God. It was in the name. To the disciples, a name was precious and holy. We don't have anything in Western culture. We have power of attorney. But that's not the same. If you invoked the name of someone who was living, then it meant the exact same thing is going to happen now as if that person was standing beside you. That there would be no difference. So in the book of Acts, when Peter and John are talking to the lame person, Listen and picture it clearly. Look at me, lame person. I have no silver. I have no gold. I have nothing to give you. But such as I have, what I do have is the name, the person of Jesus here. In his name, you rise up and walk. And the same thing happened as when Jesus walked the earth. One of the things that's amazing is we talk about how our names are engraved on the palm of his hand. But what they understood in the early church was that the name Yeshua is engraved on the palm of your hand. That this little thumb, that's the yod for the hand. The three fingers in the middle are, behold, behold. The last finger is the nail. Behold, the hand and the nails. And then the iron comes down your wrist. And see me. I have been here before the foundations of the earth, and I am here now. Behold, I'm engraved in your hand. When the early disciples said, let's lay hands on people, it's not like we do today, darling. When we lay hands on people today, we stand up, we bless. Sometimes people will, I give you this mantle, I give you this anointing. That's wonderful. Don't misunderstand me. That's great. But the early church, it was, I give you Jesus. Jesus to you. The laying on of hands was saying, Jesus. May whatever would happen if Jesus were in the room right now happen to you. I give you Jesus. And it didn't have anything to do with really like, well, do I have great faith? Do I not have faith? was it's all about Jesus
Philippians is a very familiar verse, and you know it well, but I'm going to read part of it. Paul is writing, and, and he's just in amazement that Jesus has laid aside his deity to come to earth. And he says in verse 8, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name. The name. That is above every name. So at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Sometimes we read that passage and we think it's future. Someday every knee will bow and every nation but that was not the way the early church understood it. To them, it was like, oh, in the name of Jesus. Sometimes when we pray in the name of Jesus, our Western culture is we step in and pray. To them, it was stepping back. They're like, oh, in the name of Jesus, like nothing of me, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. And they expected and saw the exact same things Jesus did when he walked the earth. There was a humility and a holiness in the early church of this in the name of Jesus. It wasn't I have this or that. It, it wasn't about us at all. In the early church, it was an honor to... We've been given his name. They were amazed. They were in awe. They were joyful. They were confident. We, we had his name. Oh. And all they wanted to do was get out the way. And every knee shall bow at the name of Jesus. And they'd go to pray for someone or, or intercede. And it was this awestruck moment of backing up in, in the name. It was no shame or insecurity. It was just being overwhelmed that he gave me his name. And, and when I'm in oneness with him, the same thing happens on the earth that it did when he was here. What is this name? But somehow over the generations, we kind of just pray out of our mind and our emotions going, in the name of Jesus, amen. And that's okay. Don't misunderstand me. That's okay. Father is good. He will answer. But just like there's stages of development in the natural from toddler to children to teenage to young adult, there are stages of development in our spirit realm. He always wants us to be casual, pour out our hearts to him. But he's calling us to be a balanced people. And at times, to be intentional. And to be quiet. And remember, oh my goodness, Colossians 3.3, 3, I'm hidden in Christ. 
I'm hidden in him. I'm the vessel that has the honor of carrying his name. And to get quiet and, and listen for how he wants to pray. It lifts the burden from us. It lifts the stress. It lifts everything. Because it's not about, should I pray enough? Am I praying hard enough? It's, it's all about the name. And it's all about recapturing and rediscovering the revelation that the Jews have. They have it with God's name from the Old Testament and it, it slipped through our fingers as we went through church history. But whenever I use his name, he's present. And that's his desire. That we will be in such oneness with him that we allow him to be present. And sometimes we run over him because we're just human. And we pray out of frustration and stress and fear and worry. And that's all right. He will answer. But the gift of the name is to draw you in a deeper rest, a deeper fruitfulness, a deeper place of revelation to see you have his name in your hand. It's his gift. And not only will every knee bow in heaven and earth, but there are times to pray when we kind of step back and go, in the name of Jesus. And this passage in Philippians and the passage in Colossians 1 is to remind us it doesn't matter if you're having financial problems, work problems, relationship problems, health problems, it doesn't matter. He reconciles all things to peace. He reigns above all things in the name. And the name, just a minute, it's not just what we speak. The Jewish understanding is the name means the person is there, alive and well. Not just a name. It means the fullness of that person is there. Right beside you. Right beside you. And so when Jesus says in John 14, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will do. And whatever you ask in my name, I will do. He picks it up in John 17. What he's saying is, when you're in oneness with me, doesn't mean you have to be perfect. But when you're desiring your mind and heart to be in sync with him, and you really want to know, I just want you, Jesus, to move in this. And then when you're in that place, and you're just in the name of Jesus, he said, I, I promise I will come promise, whatever you ask, in my name, in my personhood, I will come. When you pray 
like Jesus is standing right beside you, the fullness of him, and you're agreeing with him. He said, I'll do that. And there's no legalism in it. When you offer up a quick prayer before you go into work or when you're driving your car, he'll come to that too. But when you intentionally slow up to pray in the name, there's a fellowship, there's an intimacy, there's a different realm of power. In Matthew 18, Jesus said, whenever two or three are gathered in my name, which is 18 through 20, whatever you ask in my will, I will do. But think about it. It's not saying when two or three people gather together to pray for this or to pray for that. He's saying, in essence, can you find one person? Can you find just one person who will gather, who will get together with you? And all the two of you want is my presence. And you've gathered in my name to hear my heart and to set me free in the earth. Whatever comes out of that moment of prayer, I will do that for you. It's a love gift, you see. It's not focusing on what we pray about and how we pray. The Father will respond. The higher place of the love gift and the power and the peace and the rest is to receive the name as a person. And then it's not your mouth that the Father hears. It's Jesus' mouth. When you pray, it's the mouth of Jesus. Because you're praying in his name. and There's no performance. There's no, oh, do this, do this. It's just different for every person according to your relationship with him. But when we intentionally pause, we just pause. And for the disciples, when they would speak his name, Yeshua, their mind would go all the way back to Yahweh, the one who brought them out of Egypt, out of bondage, opened up the Red Sea, sent down the manna, brought down the Jericho walls, healed the lepers, and Yahweh saves. And so when they would say in the name of Jesus, it wasn't just the Jesus they had walked with for three plus years, they saw the connection in the name. And when the rulers in Acts 3 see a lame man healed, they go, they use the name and that means he's alive. Because they're getting results in the name. The blood of Jesus miraculously washes us clean enough that we can receive the name of Jesus.
and is in any relationship. There are times you'll say it so sweetly, so casually. Jesus, what about this? Jesus, what about this? Jesus, please intervene. Wonderful. He hears and he will move. But oh, the times when you slow down and you let yourself feel the holiness that I have his name engraved on my hand. He has given me the gift of his name. And when I speak it in oneness, it's him showing up like he did when he walked with us. It's overwhelming intimacy and peace and powerful results. The blood cleanses us. We're able to carry that name and in that name we're able to allow Jesus to do the same works he did as his bride in the earth and someday when he returns it's going to be all about the name again isn't it Revelation 19 I saw the heaven open and behold a white horse and the one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges, he makes war. His eyes are flames of fire. On his head are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He still has a private name. We don't know. He's clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is the word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down nations. Remember, he rules over everything. And he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name. King of kings and Lord of lords. Hebrews 7.25 says, even now, Jesus is interceding for us that we would receive full salvation. And surely, part of that full salvation is knowing how to receive the gift of the name in a deeper way, a more powerful, a more loving way than we ever have before. Dear ones, tonight, Look at your hand. Look at your hand. You've been given his name. He's placed his name in your hand as a love gift, saying, I will love you forever. I will be with you forever. I want to do life with you as if I'm in the natural, going through every situation with you. Here's my name. It's my 